Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have one of the best sports writers in the game. And he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. We all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a three a <laughs> Mordecai three, three finger, finger brown reference. There you go. That's and by there. the way, Gar Ryness is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving love. a shout out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. When we love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost 1 million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. If you haven't listened to my show before, welcome. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you being here, first timer. And if you're an old listener who's been here for the almost three years now, uh, thank you. I appreciate your support. Uh, Before we get into the show, I just want to have a quick announcement. If you can go to my conversations with Matt Dwyer page at feralaudio.com and if you could click on that Amazon link and if you could put that in your toolbar and every time you buy like a movie or a shirt or some undies or some cleaning fluid uh, we at Feral Audio and conversations with Matt Dwyer get a kickback of that money uh, and that helps us out greatly uh, because otherwise you know we give you a free show and that's not so much to ask is it and uh, yeah or you could donate if you like, that would help us out. We need new equipment, and it keeps us going because we do this all for free. Now, if you haven't listened to Conversations with Matt Dwyer, it is just what the title implies there. It is a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer. And uh, I talk to, uh, as I like to now describe it, and it only took me about three years to figure this out, I speak with living legends and people who soon will be legends. Um, you know, I've spoken with Wayne Kramer of the MC5, uh legendary author Jerry Stahl of Permanent Midnight and artists like Lori Lipton. I have a, a and, uh, you know, civil rights dudes like uh, Pete O'Neill, who was a former, uh, or still is, a Black Panther. I, uh, I speak with interesting people. And uh, I'm doing something different, as I've realized accidentally. Last week's episode, I, I spoke to, uh, spoke to uh, Ryan McNaman, McNaman and I just screwed up his name, doesn't matter, uh, of uh, A Special Thing Records, who's a record producer for comedy labels. And this week is Ron Babcock, who is a comedian, and we talk about his, uh, his three-month do-it-yourself tour that he put together for uh, uh, D- D- DIY... Is it DI? Do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I always screw that up. Uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, when I started doing this show, I, you know, there, I'm a comedian and there's a lot of podcasts where they talk to comedians. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to talk to comedians. That's kind of overdone. But then I realized, you know, I talk to a lot of artists. Comedians are artists. I can't be a total stooge. I have to have a comedian once in a while. 
And uh, that's why I'm proud to have Ron Babcock because he did this do-it-yourself tour. But I just want – so I actually thought maybe I'm, I'm going to try, but I don't know if I'll succeed at doing a month of comedy-oriented uh, podcasts, which started last week. And I, I have Andrew Alexander, who uh, uh, slated – uh, who started Second City, or is the owner of Second City and uh, uh, was one of the uh, producers and creators of SCTV, which is one of the best comedy shows ever, ever, ever. So uh, it is something that is an uh, interest of mine, and I should explore it, though uh, Though I have some musicians and uh, great authors and uh, artists uh, slated in the coming weeks to interview. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to uh, authors and uh, some uh, civil, you know, uh, activists. Things I like, things that make... I, I've realized over the three years of doing the show, you know, a lot of podcasts and stuff have a hook. Uh, you know, like great John Roy show, he talks to people solely about their high school experiences. And I, my show doesn't have a hook or a, a theme uh, at first glance, but I do think it goes back to the Legends uh, thing. That's the, you know, I've spoken to a lot of huge giants of their uh, worlds. And uh, I think people who will in the future also be uh, great and are great. They just, uh, you know, the time is uh, in the, the essence. And I, I wonder, I can't help but wonder if that hurts my show a little bit because uh, people aren't, don't like, they're like, what is this show? But, uh, uh, you know, I talk to uh, people who really affect the world around them, I think, and change things and, uh, have an influence, and if maybe not yet to be seen, uh, but uh, it's building, motherfuckers. Uh, I am in the uh, second week of my wedded bliss. I got married, as some of you may know, a couple weeks ago. I have to say, after you have a whirlwind honeymoon in San Francisco, where we uh, really pretty much just lived as we wanted to, we lived like one percenters. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, we ate where we wanted to, we drank when we wanted to, we bought clothing when we fucking desired, and it's been a bit of a challenge getting back into reality. Uh, yesterday, uh, we just kind of, we went out to uh, lunch to sort of get ourselves out of this funk. It is a it is a hard funk to get out of. And you know what the other weird thing is about being married? I've lived my whole life, like I literally lived my life under the assumption that I would just probably drop, die drunk and miserable in a transient hotel with, you know, a Coke bottle shoved up my ass because I owed some mobsters money. or something. <laughs> Like I've lived my life like a hooligan. I, I didn't, I lived very much in the now, which uh, is not always the, I know it's, a, you know, I think when, Buddha talks about living in the present. I think he means, you know, with a maybe slight eye towards not dying of liver disease. Uh, but, you know, now I'm in this point in my life where I have to think about a future, you know, uh, where before I thought like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll probably, you know, Social Security is going to dry up when I'm 62 or 72, whatever it is now. And I'll probably just be the oldest bank robber in the history of the world or or the least attractive male gigolo, you know, cruising for... Where did gay hookers cruise these days? I don't know. Like I knew in the past, but doesn't matter. I just never thought of my... I never thought I'd have a future, quite frankly. I thought maybe I would have, you know, my stand-up career will be, you know, uh, maybe if things take off uh, showbiz-wise, you know, that'll be my retirement plan. But I've, I've pretty much... In essence, uh, my future has been based on a metaphorical lottery ticket or a literal one as well. You know, like, oh, I'll sell a movie script and 
then I'll have some dough and then I could, you know, retire in Mexico and drink tequila until I die. You did see that if you see the theme is of my my how I've envisioned my my retirement is uh dying of some sort of alcoholic related disaster. And you know, it's still I could still do that, you know. Kelly, my my wife, my bride, I don't like calling her wife. Wife is uh Lacks romance. Wife is like oh, this thing with she's got rollers in her hair and she's uh, she's you know just a cigarette dangling out of the side of her mouth. Uh, blue eyeshadow, pops pills because she's miserable. I maybe I should call her my bride. Wife makes it sound like you know I got a you know a couple sheep and a trunk full of uh, silk or shitty silk robes or something. A goat. I got a goat for. Her. Bride sounds fresh and like, yeah, she's my bride. Look at that shiny, wonderful person that loves me. Uh, wife, bad connotation. Anyway, we're going to get on with the conversation here with uh, Brian Babcock. He's a stand-up comedian, uh, among other things, uh, writer, and uh, and he did this do-it-yourself three-month tour. It's a fascinating. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to Ron. It's great. He gives all of his info at the end there of this sh- episode. You should uh, check out his stuff and his. if you're interested in doing your own do you do it yourself tour he's got a whole thing he wrote up about it and a picture book uh so enjoy ron babcock have you talked about this a lot we're recording oh a little bit i mean people keep asking me about it and it's nice to talk about. I like telling people. I put, a, put up, I put up a big post today on my website that's like basically it's like forty two hundred words, and it's like you want to do an indie tour. Here's how you do it. Or at least, it was an, yeah, I saw here's it. how I did it. You know. See, that's uh, let's go. How? What made you? Do, how did you come about to do this tour? Because the I saw the Mercedes Benz thing, and I was like, did you get? Did those guys give you a car? Yeah, it's but it. It wasn't my idea. Like the guy who he owns this company, his name's JG. I've been friends with him for years, and I kind of just mentioned to him, like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna do like a tour." And he's like, "You should take one of my cars." That's awesome. And I was like, "There's no way he's gonna let me do that." And then like six months later, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that tour." He's like, "You should take one of my cars." And I was like, "Are you are you sure?" Because he restores these vintage Benz, like they're really really like museum quality these gorgeous cars and i was like i don't i don't know if you want to g- <laughs> like, i mean that's a pretty it's like too nice of a gift you know you ever get where you're like i don't know this, oh yeah this might be too much but it, it was great because it gave a it gave a great hook like first of all it made me it like legitimized what i was doing like it was like well they're giving him this car he must not be a oh, total it looks idiot. great and then it gave a good hook even though it had nothing to do with stand-up it gave like local press Somewhat like something to write about, like hey, this guy's coming through in this old Benz. Um, plus, it was like the coolest car ever to drive. It was like a, a it what like year? Seventy five. Oh, that's uh, badass. Yeah, seventy five, three hundred D. Uh, color was Harvest Beige, so the name of the car was Harvey. And then um, it was like it felt like driving around a, a Lazy Boy. There just happened to be a car around me, and Damn, it was just that's... like a little seventy. Like what I loved about it was everything was just um like buttons and levers and switches like you have to pull this crank to release the emergency brake so it's like this all this like 70s analog switches to like do everything in the car that must have felt kind of cool it was great you had to check the oil that was the one thing you had to do every time you filled up you check the oil just to make sure it's doing fine so you have to like pop the hood and get the dipstick and 
I got so many uh, like nods from dudes in parking lots like that. You know that dude nod. Yeah. Either go up or you go down. <laughs> and I, so many guys wouldn't say anything. They'd be like, oh. and I just, I mean, I loved it. I absolutely. It makes if you're driving around on old car, it looks like you know what you're doing. Like oh, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. It makes you look like a car guy. When I mean, I know very little about cars. The only thing I know about cars is things that have broken on my Honda. So, like, I know all about radiator hoses and, like, spark plugs. Yeah. I drive an old 94 Jeep, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, no doors, no roof. So, it looks – and it looks like I probably, like, have to keep – Yeah, but I I don't – like, I'm the least likely guy to actually – That must be so uncomfortable to drive in. No doors, no – I, it's kind of fun. Like when it's a nice day out, it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a dune buggy. And it's just like a kid's ride. But like if I have to go to Santa Monica and it's 90 degrees out, it's fucking brutal. How many miles on that? Over 100,000. Yeah. Like my Honda has like 230 now. And then uh, Harvey had like 120,000, which is kind of low for a car that's 40 years old. But probably well maintained or at least fixed up. Yeah. With those cars that Mercedes Motoring has, like they're... They're so particular about what cars they choose to like bring on. Like they only do cars that are like original paint and like low mileage. And he scours like the country form. And then they bring them and they they do like a pretty. Oh, oh uh, I'm also working for them now, so I want to be like. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely like a corporate shill for these things, but I don't want to be like, wow, he's really putting some mustard on this for uh, really dropping his shoulder into this. But they're, they're really nice cars, and it's, it's definitely well-maintained. But And they just refurbish him and sell yeah, him? Yeah, like the thing, yeah, pretty much. Like he drops them off at uh, his me- this mechanic that they use who's been working on Mercedes for like 40 years, and he never knows how much it's going to cost. He just is like, fix everything, and then at the end, tell me what. He's like, do everything you have to do to make it perfect, and then at the end, tell me what it is. I wonder what the most he's ever spent. Do you know? I don't know. I should find out. It could. I would I'm sure it'd be. Well, a lot of them are in good condition. This one, like these, the thing with these old um, '70s like Benzes and like '60s, '70s, early '80s is that they're kind of built like tanks. So typically, these cars will go up to like three hundred and fifty thousand to a half a million miles. That's crazy. Yeah, and like you'll meet, you'll see them on the road all the time. They're not in crazy good condition, but like they fucking last forever. And, like, things will go on them, like the window regulator will go, or some switch will get loose. But when it comes down to, like, the transmission and the engine, they just go. So my whole, like, 12,000-mile road trip was, like, a drop in the bucket. That's why he was like, yeah, it really doesn't matter if you take one of my cars. He's like, it's not a big deal at all. And in the long haul, too, it was good press for him because you said there was people writing articles yeah it was like you know one of those uh classic win-win matt you know good for me good for him (laughs) classic win-win that's what you gotta do in today's stand-up comedy model you gotta find a win-win yeah i because i saw those things and we did a road trip with the podcast over the summer i was like fuck i want to do that with an rv company but i don't have any friends who own an rv company just a small rv if there's anybody out there nothing big because i can't drive well I, i mean it's like i think it can be a model for comics because the whole word of mouth marketing is always it's always going to be better than anything else that's the number one form of marketing and i think if you have a comic who's using something and talking about it like i think i can see there's so many small companies that are trying to carve out an interesting niche now you know or just trying to get some sort of attention that something like this these sponsorships like i mean i took care of the gas so it's like this didn't cost my buddy anything this was just like 
kind of cool promotion. And it let people know something existed that they otherwise wouldn't know existed. I mean, most people are like, those are cool cars. They're not going to buy one. But there's going to be a couple people who really fall in love with it and, you know, think about it. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of people like older cars. And it's like, if you don't know where to get, if you don't want to fix it up or any of that bullshit. Because I, I had a friend who bought an old Cadillac off of eBay. And he was like, this is awesome. And it was a, like, it oh, was a well, fucking yeah, lemon. Things, yeah. No. <laughs> it's like, it's really, like you bought it? 22 foot sailboats. <laughs> My buddy on I, eBay. Do you remember McKee? Ryan McKee? Yeah. He, he used to have a Cadillac Eldorado that we used to drive around Phoenix. And I think it was something like seven, it was like 16 feet long or something crazy. And it was so big, and it was like piloting a boat. But Phoenix was the one place you could drive it because there's just nothing but space out there. But then yeah. in L.A., driving a Cadillac, finding parking Ugh. on the Sunset Strip—that's gonna just be good. It's like two and a half smart cars <laughs> like, together. That's how they market them now. Yeah, two and a half smart cars long, uh, and, Cadillac and, and Eldorado, five times the carbon footprint. <laughs> so when you went out on this trip, did you? How much of it was? Did you have it planned out, or was it kind of like I I'm gonna get a, out there and? No, I went. I'm. I'm very. I'm a very particular dude. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm a I'm a disaster. That's no, so why I, I had like, to get married. I always joke. Yeah, you have got to marry someone who's going to keep your shit together. Oh, yes, that's a, no, she's a good. <laughs> my girlfriend was like, "Can I leave some things at your place?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm the type of guy who puts things back with the labels facing forward. Like that's just I think it looks we could, nice. We would be the modern day odd couple because I yeah." Oh, I wouldn't know because I would never live with you because we would not be, be friends. friends. Uh, yeah, I'm a, the quintessential sloppy drunk. I'm trying As to a, chill out. And I've been, I think this road trip actually really helped me chill out. But I'm very type A. I'm very organized because I'm also the type of guy who I like to be organized so that then when I go to do whatever I'm going to do, like I can enjoy it. I don't have to worry about promoting or emailing. So I'm, I'm a weird. I always think of like, what system can I set up to make this? as easy as possible. Are you that way when you go and do a stand-up set? Because you kind um, of improvise and shit a lot, don't I, you? I like, to, I like to have... I always like to have a plan and then I like never using it. But I always like to have one in the back, my back pocket in case I need to. Like, I like to have a little runner of jokes in my head that in case I want to get out of improv town, you know, because... <laughs> You know how improv down can be real fun, and then you're in it for too long, and everyone's oh, yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I like to have a, a lifeline where I could just hop onto a joke, get me out of there, onto something that I know usually, you know, has impact. Yeah, I went up at Good Heroin Saturday, and I was like, I'm just going to fucking, I'll just I'm talk just gonna, about it. have fun. And then, like, yeah, I just quickly just, I was like, I'm oh, a little too fun. dark and a little weird, <laughs> and then just like, and I was, then I was trying to new material, and just like, it got, it got rough fast. Well, because you always, <laughs> you always do that thing where like, you had that new joke that, you know, like, oh man, my girlfriend loved this joke, so I'm definitely going to try this one first, because you're excited about it. And then it's like swing and a miss, and then it's just weird energy. The uh, somebody loved it socially joke is always, and then you fall oh, in love man, with it, I, or you're like, yeah. I've been burned by that so many it's the times. Worst. And I that still joke don't... I kill at a party with. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, then you I still have yet to learn that that's the bad way. So, but, so you were <laughs> you were well planned when you went out on the road. You like knew Brandy Posey. Basically, um, she had done a tour and I kind of I'm trying to talk to a lot of my friends who had, and I had done like month long or like six week long tours, but never something this like and never something where I drove the entire thing. Like I did like planes, trains, automobiles tour the year before kind of one like that. But she sent me like a um, she basically like told me about the spreadsheet she made in Google Docs. And that's the only thing that kept my head on straight. It was like column just listing like date, 
time, name of show, address, who's the booker, what time I'm supposed to be there, how much it costs to get in, and columns for how much I was going to get paid. Later on, I put how much merch I sold. And that was the like, it was simple and it was easy. It was something I could do, like look at from my phone. Because like when you're you're going around like and it's a new venue every night, you're like, okay, where where's the venue? Okay, what's the address of the house I'm staying in? Like, And it was just nice to have one central place where all that was located. So I didn't have to spend like 15 minutes looking for an email because the mail on my phone, my Apple phone, like I can never, the searching for messages sucks on it. It never fucking works. So yeah. it's just like <laughs> setting up like a system to be like, okay, what, how can I do this so that I'm not going to like get enraged and stressed out on the road because I know what stresses me out. So I just try to like minimize as much of that before I left. And it, it actually really worked because like by the time I got on the road, I didn't have to, I just had that thing on my phone, looked at it. All right. Let's put it into like Waze or Google maps, get there on time. Like it, it, it's the smallest thing, but it made the biggest impact. Did you have, was, were you going to be relying on the money you make on the road to carry you through the road? Yes. I don't want to get into like, hey, no. how much did you have saved? I, I wanna, uh, it, but it definitely took, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I, I dropped my shoulder into merch because I had never done that before. And I kind of like that kind of stuff. Like, I like, I was like, you know, come from like punk rock and, and ska show. So I like buttons and stickers and all that cool 90s garbage. Uh <laughs> But I ended up, I spent about like two grand on merch. Oh, really? Before you left? Before I left, I had to like spend two grand. And I had the money, but and I made it back, but it definitely was like a lot to, I don't think I'd spend that much again. I mean, t-shirts were like definitely into, like, I think my t-shirts were 200 shirts. I just looked it up. It was 1674. Wow. So like, it was like a unit cost of like 850 per shirt. But one of the shirts had a lot of like colors. That's why it was a little more expensive. <laughs> Yeah, but I ended I didn't up, know that. I ended up um, on the road. What I did was uh, I just I had that square thing to take credit card orders with. Oh yeah, and so which was great because uh, half of my sales I figured out were like came from credit cards. Like people get drunk and they're like, I want a shirt. Fuck yeah. <laughs> And so and I was like, I will give you one. And so that money got deposited directly into my bank account. So whatever got deposited into my bank account, I would just pay off the cost of my merch with. And then the cash is what I use to like from the stand-up shows and the merch. That's what I use to like pay for food, expenses, like booze, like anything on the road. So like I basically try not to use my credit card at all because my biggest fear was that I'd make all this money and I'd come back and I wouldn't have all my merch paid off. So I was able to like just pay off my merch from like the credit card sales and all that stuff and then come and then use the money on the road as much as possible. So I barely use my credit card. So I ended up like actually I broke even like to the penny. Like it was, it's like almost to the penny. It's it's fucking weird. I, and you like, had somebody subletting your apartment and stuff yeah, too. So that's had... the only way I was able to pull it off is basically the great thing about stand up is that someone is always breaking up with their girlfriend. <laughs> like some relationship is always just burning up in flames and that you can really uh someone always needs a place to stay. Is that in a do it yourself uh Yeah, well, is was, that in a brochure? Uh, it's not to if you do it for like a that blog post, yeah, I was like, that's the only way I was able to make money was that because I couldn't go on the road and pay like a thousand bucks a month in rent. There's no way I could pull that off. How many weeks was it again? Three weeks. Three weeks. That's a long fucking time. And a show. Did you have any days off or was it? Yeah, I had like every eight to nine days was a day off. Sometimes that was like a travel day, but I had to like you have to like basically I did um eighty two shows in thirty four cities. And I have family in Minneapolis and um, Scranton, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and um, uh, New York and D.C. 
So I basically went from like family member's place thinking that would be like a nice little break, which was uh, <laughs> hilarious. That I, I was like, I'll be able to chill out. <laughs> no. <laughs> but my mom's was the halfway point, And there I took off like three days in a row. Which was the best. And just to be able to be at home, you know, not in somebody else's place. And I'm guessing a lot of beer swilling. Oh, God, yeah. I just ate, and I ate garbage. Because you were in the South a lot, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. After DC was just my first time ever. Oh, I ate, I mean, I, I didn't eat like McDonald's a lot. Like, I would, I'd ask people, like, what's the restaurant? So I actually ate really well. I wasn't like eating out of ramen and like having McDonald's cheeseburgers every day. I'm like, what's the place? And it was always like, oh, you got to go down to Barry's Bacon Hut. Like, it was always this just gravy shots or something weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if I go with, like, out, it's, like, for a few days, and it's, like, and it's beer and shitty food. But, like, you know, like, barbecue. Like, I don't, I want to find the place in town. Yeah. But it's, like, three weeks of that shit is murder. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, what I would do was, um, I actually wrote about this in that blog post, which is weird to write about. But I'm, like, no, you have to drink, like. A, you have to drink, eat fruit or something, <laughs> just something. Like, and I would just, well, I remember one time I just bought a bag of spinach and I just mainlined a bag of spinach, <laughs> like just raw spinach, because I could feel like my heart being like, what, what are you doing? <clears throat> you just yeah. had like fried chicken on a buttermilk biscuit. I did that. I had three and a half, two and a half days in Chicago and I ate. Uh, Chicago almost killed me. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you do shows there? I did a, a week of shows in Chicago because I had never been. And it was like, by the time I was leaving, I was like, I have to leave now. Yeah. Also, you people, I can't I'll, I can't keep up with. First of all, the female comics in Chicago cannot keep up with them. Like the Putter Boss. Oh, they're, they're, you know, they're animals. It's just like, it's insane. <laughs> I tried, I hung out with them one night and then I was like, it was like that thing. I was like, oh, yeah, you guys would be fun. This is like years ago. Like Natalie Josie and all them? Like, it's like, yeah, it's like insane to keep yeah. up with all that. And then I was like, that, like, oh, you could get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, yeah. for your, the safety of your well being. It was so fun, though. That town, like, city, I like it more than New York. I like oh, Chicago so much. I like more it better New than New York, too. Yeah. It's, uh, but yeah, it's, and it's four and five o'clock, like, or three, it's two o'clock. The bars are open very late. Yeah. And it's and, just, the shows were great. It was, it was such a fun city, but I mean, just a fucking deep dish pizza. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Who made that? That thing? That the f- fat people. That fucking fat frisbee that you just throw into your mouth. It's Ugh. great, though, because it's like, I go back there and I'm like, God, I'm fucking like, I'm wafer thin compared yeah. to, because... <laughs> And people are like obese and chain smoke. Like, like every time I drove by like a like a strip of bars, and it would always be fat people outside smoking. It's like yeah. you're already fucking killing yourselves. It's amazing how like six months in L.A., you, you know, all of a sudden you just like, hey, you guys want to go hiking? Like, <laughs> just get into meditation and yoga. Like it's great. It actually makes you better. Yeah, you kind of have you you have to. Especially well, out here, you have to to keep your head on straight. You just you gotta do something. That was a thing. Like I noticed sometimes I would just pull over to the side of the road like I would, I would like to get my coffee and then i would just pull over to the side of the road and then i would just sit and just just sit and just kind of look at the landscape and just take a moment because so i think sometimes no the reason why people do tours they get crazy is they never give themselves any downtime like it's always like go 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 and you can't you can't maintain that level of energy like you're gonna burn out like you need to take time even if it's just like 15 minutes every day where you just sit, you're not listening to a podcast, you're not doing anything. You're just kind of being in that moment and like kind of just let all that energy like and stress just dissipate out of you. And like 
just little things like that the occasional piece of fruit and i <laughs> i drank so much water on this trip that was the big thing is i was always drinking water during the day just to flush out the toxins yeah i peed so much man i was constantly <laughs> pulling over to pee <laughs> But that's good. Like to the point where I'm like, I should probably go to a doctor. This is a lot of pee. I would. I drink way too much, and it's like, kind of you, when you go on the road a little bit, it's a little. There's a bit of that, like I'm away from home. Like there's oh, a, yeah. the trick of like you're sort of on vacation, so you. Oh, I'll absolutely. have beers with lunch and not think twice. I drink every single day for three months straight. I drank every single day, and it got when I got back and I didn't drink. There was this weird moment where it was 9 p.m. and I could feel my body be like, "Hey man, where's that?" Uh, <laughs> What are we doing, huh? What do you need to, where's the sauce? And I was afraid, but actually it was, it was nice. Like I spent January just drying out. I didn't do anything, man. I just like, just really took it easy just to like kind of dry out and just try and like just eat salads a bunch. I'm still like trying to get up that. I could imagine. Together. So, uh, so you Midwest, South and what, cause I'm imagining you met a wide variety of human beings. Yeah. I left uh, LA and then kind of started in cities that I knew that I was comfortable in like San Diego, Phoenix. Um, and then I went up to like Pueblo and Denver, then over to, uh, Omaha and like some Iowa and Chicago, Minneapolis, Ohio, Pennsylvania, DC, and then the South for like a month. A lot of where it was a lot of it because I went in Iowa. You can do some shows in I rural a, areas. I had a nice mixed bag. Um, I try to hit up all the big cities just because I not and like I, I knew I wasn't going to make money in the big cities, but I just wanted to see those scenes. The ones where I did really well in were like the smaller cities. Like I did really well in Phoenix, but that's where I started. Um, Pennsylvania, like Sealands Grove, Sunbury, like these small towns where people are like super stoked that you're coming out to do a show there. You know, it's like, uh, they're really thankful. I did really well in DC, you know, and, and the South was great. And you, you meet a lot of characters, like a ton of, oh man, especially like truck stops. Cause I was filling up, I was driving a diesel. So I'd be parking Harvey, like this tiny little car next to these huge tractor trailers. It's, I'm just seeing all these truck driver guys. Oh, there. Did you get to talk to them much? Yeah. I talked to one about diesel fuel for about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just about fuel. He's like, well, basically, uh, diesel fuel, that's just dirty jet engine fuel. Now, here's what's happening. He was just telling me all about, like, why it's more expensive. Because they're, they're passing along to the shipping companies because they know we're going to pay it. But it's actually cheaper than gasoline, Obama. And I just, like, I'm just sitting there, like, just never stop talking, pal. I could listen to this forever. Did, did you run into a lot? Because I know, like, you go down to certain parts of the, even, like, not even just the south. Like, you, Illinois can get pretty fucking weird. The real weirdos were all the south. I mean, there's one guy from one show in Auburn named Roadkill. This guy in like his 50s. His name was Roadkill? Yeah, he's known around the campus for like um, walking into bars with a backpack full of baby squirrels. And then he'll like... Dead? No, live. And then he'll pull them out so that like, you know, co-eds could like pet him. And they're like, oh my God. And then like people will buy him beers. Um, He was a son of a bitch. He really just... (laughs) (laughs) You were just like just keep like punching someone and they just keep getting back up like it was just got to the point where i'm like i can make fun of you and it's just nothing's even registering you know um he was definitely a big weirdo there's this one kid at another show i found out he was a comic he's like this young kid but i found it yeah he was really weird because he kept on like coming on stage and like, while you were on stage yeah i was and it was funny i was like making fun of him i was actually at a, like it was great. I just got to like make fun of a millennial. Like it was just like my dream. But he like kept on. I found out he was like on Special K the whole time. <laughs> like, which I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it made me really laugh. Uh, but there was a bunch of like, there's a bunch of like weirdos 
That's what I like, though. I like I like those weirdos. No, it's it's in because it's like sometimes you have a conversation and you like, oh, this guy's fucking great, and then you realize he's like really right wing and hates women and people of brownness. Yeah. And it's like you're like, ah, oh, fuck, like I got tricked. <laughs> you could always tell in the South how people felt about Obama by the way they said Obama. Oh yeah. How, yeah. What's, what are the difference? They're like Obama, like the people who like. <laughs> Let's go, Obama! You're like, I know exactly. And then, like, liberal people would always have like, like Obama, <laughs> like some more like reverential tone. Yeah, they don't. I just know in like driving around Florida, like the bumper stickers alone are like. I mean, some of them pretty much were just saying this and yeah. were like they. Dude, Florida's weird, man. I did uh, what Pensacola. I did a oh, show there, and I had abortion never... Abortion doctor killing capital of the world. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. They, I... In the 90s, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and stuff would go down there to do like pro, pro-choice pro concerts just because it was so crazy. It's a weird... It, I that I have never been performed for an audience that had so many fangs. <laughs> like people with fangs. Like that part of that vampire subculture. Yes. Like, I don't know, four, five... I don't know if it was a meetup. There were so many fangs in the audience. And I'm like... I've only seen it a few this times. is such a specific life choice. <laughs> well, you see fangs and you're like, yep, that's my stuff. Yep, that's me. Like, it's just... But the, you know what? They're nice people. They bought a shit ton of t-shirts. Well, that's all <laughs> it boils a, down to, a, right? had a lot of fun on that show, but it was definitely... Uh, you know, you find out about things you didn't know existed. That's the, yeah. the nice thing about traveling. But any other things you found out? Did? Oh, God, in Florida. I don't know. I didn't spend much time there. I kind of did. It's terrifying. I, yeah. I, sh- I want to go back and just do just do the South because I enjoyed the food. The food was great. I fucking love all that shit. Did Grits, you hit- all that stuff. I do, too. We oh. were just in San Francisco. and uh, But we had, like, these great grits, and I've never had. Like, I've been in the South, and I never get grits. I'm like, fuck. I was. I would go to my fast food was like the Waffle, Waffle House. Oh, I would yeah. go there, like you know, like dice smattered and smothered, and then you <laughs> just get the hash browns and the coffee. I'm in and out for under ten bucks. Yeah, like, oh, that's great. I want to go to Jackson. I'd like to see Jackson. I loved um, New Orleans was probably my favorite bit. Like that was just like. How long city. were you there? Um. Well, I was there for. I don't know, maybe like five days, and then I went and did a couple other shows, and then actually came back just for to do another show on my way home. Um, so probably like maybe just under a week total, and it was just a. It's such an it's it's one of the most. I mean, I've traveled like a lot of places, um, and it was one of the most interesting places I've ever been, like in the world. Like it just it was so. It feels I've only been there for like seventeen hours or something, and it was like it's like another country. It is. And I love how specific it is. Like how it's just, it's the only place that's like that. Yeah. And that's, and then the great thing was the food was phenomenal, but it was also like incredibly affordable. Like you can eat great food, a lot of it, and for, fucking, for like under 10 bucks. They're so friendly. Yeah. Like my friend, like introduced, all her friends hugged me. Like I had known them for <clears throat> 20 years. Like it was just. I did the Hell Yes Fest, which is a super fun festival to do. And there's this one um, venue that they have. And in the back was this like Slavic soul food restaurant. And I'm Slovak. So it was just like pierogies and kielbasa. So I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's like six bucks. You get a bunch of pierogies and kielbasa. And I'm like, okay. And you That's just get crazy. this food. And you're like, first of all, meat, like pierogies and beer is like the best combination in the world. I mean, it's just all these 
awesome ethnic foods that were so cheap and so good and just great architecture. And I would love to go back to New Orleans and actually spend a lot of time. I would love to be able to spend a month there. Yeah. But then it's like, I mean, you really have to, it's like, if you're not spending an hour on a treadmill in New Orleans, you're really fucking up. You got to do something to keep your shit together, man. There's no way. I I have a friend there who's, I think in her mid thirties and she's like, yeah, I have to quit drinking. I have fatty liver tissue um, from drinking oh it's like you're too maybe she's near 40 but still that's way too you must like I, I think i gained something like around 18 20 pounds on the whole trip like all in like when i came back because i have these like just shirt my my shirts my t-shirts i'm like oh, this t-shirt shrunk <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's always i expanded it's always amazing that that's never the thought of like <laughs> oh yeah i put on weight Man, the dryer really took uh took one out. That's what because yeah, and I was be- I was like, oh yeah, I gotta stretch it out a little bit with my arms. Did you have that with the wedding? Like where you were like trying to get in the best shape of your life for all the photos? And all I was that? too. She she got more. I was like really stressed out. She always looks great. <laughs> huh? Thank you. Huh? Look at that. Oh, Mr. She'll, Charming over here. She's got headphones she, she, on. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I think I put on weight because I was like really stressed out and I was like uh just drinking a lot because and I, there was no like i'm like why are you planning out? a wedding is like planning a tour that never ends that's okay right, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. yeah it's like a few people <laughs> like it wasn't like we were doing a thirty thousand dollar wedding it was like that's smart though but man s- still it like was for some reason just you get stressful and i'm i handle my problems with liquor yeah and like i kind of eased up to and then i don't know uh, but i looked then all the wedding photos i'm like uh, like, <laughs> was it fun though? Did you guys have a fun day? It was. You couldn't have asked for a better day. Oh, that's and awesome. It was just a few people, and then we just went out. Like that's how you we do ate it. and drank, and like we bar hopped, and like ended up at a bar, the saloon in San Francisco. Oh, know. that's great. Yeah, and there was like a rockabilly band playing. Like it was like the best, and just fucking hammered. <laughs> that's fucking great. Like man. we got so drunk, we slept through. A fire alarm went off in our hotel room at like three in the morning, and we slept through it. And people the next day were like, hey, did you hear the On fire alarm? On your wedding night? <laughs> and I was like, no, I was out, like, out. You both were just passed out cold? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Jesus. That was like, in the beginning, I was drinking like that. And then I kind of like, after the first three weeks, I was like, all right, I got to, I had to start like, I, I kind of, I started out like having like seven, eight drinks a night. And then it'd be like Ooh, seven, six, good. and then six, five. And then by the end, I kind of was like three four just cause like and then it was like just two so i just kind of i was like i just couldn't do it like my body just well after a while too you just feel that like i could feel my blood pressure i was drinking so much before oh. the wedding. <laughs> people were like do you want to do shots i'm like dude i'm in my 30s like, yeah no i don't that's when's the last no people would always want to buy me shots and i felt like a jerk for like not wanting to do it so half the time i would but i'm like i don't want people in their 30s don't want shots yeah, and you, you have to drive the next day. Yeah, and it's like I just want like I'll take a craft beer local, <laughs> you know. That'd What's be your local brew. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> I don't but, want like Jägermeister right? having a nice evening. Yeah, it's like a catch twenty two because it's like you feel like they're being hospitable and they're like, hey, and well, they're you're, excited. You're kind of the you're like a, the the thing. Like you're like you know you're like the party that you're like hey you're the guy coming in like like there's always people coming through. But, like, you're the thing that night, so it's, like, a little bit of a party. And especially in smaller markets where it's, like, they might not have shows as often and people come out. Like, they want to, like, come on, man. Like, they want to. And you're, like, dude, I can't. I've been doing this, like, every night for, like, two months. Like, I got to. I can't. I can't, like, rage as hard as I used to. Yeah, dude's, like, what's his name? Not Chappelle. The guy who had the show on Insomniac. Oh, David Tell. Attell. 
Yeah. Well, he, I mean, he, that must have been, like, that was his life. And he just was, like, drinking every... And because it was, like, the whole thing, it was, like, this rite of passage. You don't want to do a shot with David Hell. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. He's sober now, I think. I think, yeah. I feel like people who are sober, they have, like, a set amount of alcohol they're allowed to drink in life. And people who are sober now just got through that amount quicker than everybody else. <laughs> I think everybody has the same amount to drink throughout life. It's just like some of us extended over the whole period and some of us finish in like 25 years. <laughs> I started in the third grade, so I should probably. Yeah, you, I stopped you're, you're for a while. The game. Yeah, yeah, you, were, you stopped for a while. and then Two years to two the years, day. To the day. <clears throat> yeah, then I cooked Bronger and a couple other people dinner one night and it was like French food. And I was like, really? I'm going to go the rest of my life without like having wine with dinner? Uh-huh. And then we cut to two hours later, <laughs> naked <laughs> battling a bronger with a French breadsticks. <laughs> and then I kind of like slowly eased back into drinking, and then I had a honeymoon period where I was like, yeah, and then I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I'll, I'll often have that like, uh, I well, guess. There's a lot of things with people we know who like, I feel like with drinking, it's like, oh, I'm going to show them that I'm in control. No drinking for three weeks. <laughs> and then they break and, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, it's all about. It's like I have friends who like one friend he can't smoke weed anymore. He's like he's like I can't. He's like cuz I can't control myself. He's like I can't just have one joint. He's like I just non-stop smoking. So he's like trying to take steps to like that's his spot. He doesn't have problems like as much with booze, but weed is like the thing that can like kind of ruin him. It's hard cuz it's like we have relaxed lifestyles. So it's yeah. like uh it's like I a can't. different it's like it's yeah, it's one of those things like I don't like at least with the job you know, you have to show up at 9 a.m. at this place, and you can't be drunk for that. Like, you have you have to go to this you office. You can't smell like booze and nicotine. <laughs> and if you're, if you're, you know, fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to be making a living just off stand-up, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of discipline to, like, kind of still treat it like a job. Yeah, but then it's like, oh, it's three o'clock. Yeah, yeah beers, whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I always try and uh, when I went home for the holidays, I always try to like wait until like as late as possible to like crack something open because I knew if I started at three thirty with a gin and tonic, like forget about it. So I always oh. <laughs> like trying to wait till like dinner. Dinner, I'll have a glass of wine with dinner. It'd be like seven p.m. and I'm like, okay, good. I can't drink as much. Now. I was thinking you were waiting that long because it's like, oh my god, I don't want to look bad in front of my. Because it's man. like the rest of the world is like, oh, you can't drink at noon. It's like, well, I, I, was actually, I do. I was actually tired of just drinking, I think. And then the holidays, I was like, but my, I went over to London, my sister, and they like the sauce. So they always, and they got really good wine. They have like really good top notch stuff too. So you're like, oh, geez. Yeah, Homemade pear good. cider. Okay, I'll try some. <laughs> <laughs> London's not going to. Yeah. I mean, they still drink and get plowed during lunch. I love how the I love how the Brits get drunk. We wait till 9 or 10. They get drunk right after work. But then they're in sweet. bed by midnight, and I love that. I do, too. I love, none, none of this Spanish stuff where you take a nap, and then you stay up till 4 a.m., and then, like, I like the way the Brits do it. Right after work, plastered, in bed by midnight. In, Boom. in bed right when the kids fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it easier to be a parent. You don't remember as much stuff. Sometimes you don't hear them crying in the middle of the night. That's what I was thinking last when I got drunk. Like we passed out on our honeymoon. Granted, it's our honeymoon night, but it's like I was like, "Fuck!" I guess when I have a kid, I you can't really do that. And that's yeah, maybe, that's tend to be frowned upon. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, I'm still sort of in the parenting, huh? What a bummer. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get a uh, vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> So the the guide that you wrote 
Like, what is? Because I mean, if I did a, a tour like this, I would be, I'd be fucking perplexed on how to do it. Like on my own. It's like yeah, without help. I think I, I wrote this thing that really long that kind of takes you through it step by step. I think the big thing is like one, you gotta do shows. So it's like. What you just plan a couple of big ones, you know, like wherever you live, like plan one for there, and then you just like map out a, a route. Like I just I bought a map of the U.S. and taped it to my wall, and just took out a red sharpie and just started filling in dots of like where I had shows planned. And I make a note of it on that big Google Doc thing, and then I just started filling in the blanks. You know, I look at like okay, well I could go to Denver. I know a guy in Denver. I'd send the guy in Denver a message that was like, hey, if I was to come through, like what shows would you recommend doing? And I have just enough credits where I can like go into a scene and just kind of close out whatever established show they have. Oh, that's cool. And usually they would like, you know, kick you some bucks, you'd sell some merch and I'd do pretty well. And then I'd, I'd find like a, usually like Denver guys would be like, Oh, you know what? There's another show that's like an hour outside of Denver. They do on Thursdays that pays like one seventy five, and it gives you like, you know, a hotel and a free meal. And so I just contact that guy, send him the same message then I'd book that show for what, you know, and then like you just slowly start to put it together. I mean, it's crazy. You never realize this, but when it comes to stand up, everybody thinks it's all about the jokes and it is, but there's this other part of it. That's basically just administrative work. Like there's, <laughs> that's it. It's like so much logistics administration and it, it can seem like this giant mountain and it is, but if you just chip away at it, I'd spend like an hour every day on it, just shooting out a couple messages and then once I had a, a, a show locked, it's like, all right, that's set. You know, and so it would just kind of be putting these puzzle pieces together. How long did it take you to put the tour together? Probably just the working on it a little bit, like six weeks. Six weeks and three like, months. <clears throat> like just kind of like working on it a little bit. here. And I'm, I'm talking about like, because sometimes you send people a message and they get right back to you. And other times, like they won't get back to you for a week. So it was just a matter of kind of like keeping track of things but like all in like probably like six weeks to have it all like locked and loaded like prepped and ready to go was there anything that you were surprised like putting it together like fuck i didn't expect this well sometimes you it's weird because when you're planning a three-month tour and you start planning like well three months before you go on tour well for the last month of that three-month tour you're planning like five months in advance so some people are like dude i'm not like that's so far away like hit me up close so some of the shows i think like by the time I started, I still had a couple that weren't fully like locked down. And then you'll you're so excited to plan them, and then a week before you leave, people will be like, "Hey man, um, so the bar got in a fight with the dude, and then it's just always like shows will always be canceled on. But you just learn to kind of go with it. Like if you, in a way, you have to be so prepared, and then once you leave, you just kind of have to be like, "All right, fuck it. Like whatever happens, happens." Because I knew like not everything's going to turn out the way you expected it to. Like sometimes it's going to rain in San Diego and no one's going to show up to that show, or like that polar vortex like ruined me for oh, a week. Oh, were you? Is that in Chicago? That was no. That was in the South. Oh, oh I was I like so. One. No one's used to being cold there. How so cold was it? It was like thirty, but it was like thirty in Alabama on the Gulf Shore. I mean, it was like cold for them, so nobody goes out. You know, really, we're not going to go out and see this guy who appeared on Adam <laughs> Devine's house party, like. <laughs> Believe it or not, that wasn't as big of a pool as you think it would be for those people. So you just kind of like, but some of the most fun shows I had, like I did shows for 15 people. I did shows for like 150 people. But some of the most fun ones I had were like the ones where 15 people were there. I did a show in Albuquerque. I think there was like 15 people. and But there were 15 people who wanted to see a show. And it ended up being like a really fun hour. 
you know, and then we all went out afterwards and got drinks. I mean, all in all, it was like pretty fun night. Yeah, that's, I think, I don't know, we forget in L.A. a lot of times, like, those small shows, like, small shows can be, we always are like, fuck, there's no one here. Yeah. In L.A., which is often. <laughs> but it, but it, it, but it teaches you, it teaches you how to perform for those people, because that's my biggest pet peeve, is when comics, like, shit on the people who came to the show. I hate that, too. It's just like, what a, what a. You're just garbage. Like you just you sound like such a difficult person to be around. Like you're you're shitting on the people who actually did the right thing and came out to the show. Yeah, or in the venue because I'm like, yeah. man, it's just like, well, some venues. Yeah, I mean, deserve. some venues deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like for the most part, it's like just do your job. Like I mean, yeah. do it. Just commit to it. And then it, and it's also like, oh, I'm 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 mad that you people don't know who I am. Like it's such a weird line in the sand to draw. Have you heard that one? No, but it's oh. like it's like more people should be here. Oh, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, 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 dude, be better. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Get bigger credits. You know, have more people know who you are. So, I mean, I feel like now I did that. I did a tour. I feel like I kind of know how to do a tour. I think I kind of would change i don't need to bring as much stuff I, I think i would like make things easier on myself in certain respects like um probably do less merch you know or you know change things that didn't sell and so it's weird it's like this thing you go through and then by the end of it you're like oh okay now i know how to do it what 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 didn't sell and um, what does sell best you know buttons like don't really sell anymore although magnets really work which are the same thing as buttons but instead of the pin backing <laughs> You just put the goddamn magnet on. People love that. That's uh, interesting. Stickers really didn't sell. I just kind of started giving them away for free. And stickers are kind of expensive. At least for me, I didn't really have a really good. I have to have a cool drawing that Fairbanks did. Yeah. Um, but like it wasn't like a, like I don't know. It wasn't like a a thing that I think people would buy because they like the drawing and it's a cool drawing. But it wasn't like a anything like I don't know clever or like a weird funny saying, which I don't like. I also like doing merch that's not... There's so much merch out there that's terrible. There's so much dumb merch. I'm always... Some people can get away... They're, they're, like I, Some of it, I'm, I look at people, their merch, and I'm like, who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like you're a rock band. Yeah. And it's like, uh, just pull it back a little. Like, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, ha I like doing this stuff. I think it's fun. I was... My... The thing I did that I told everybody to steal is um, I had a merch case... So I took an old vintage suitcase and I gutted it and I just put masonite, made it real smooth, put little Christmas lights in it, battery powered, and I had all my stuff in there. And it was great because I could just take that to a show. At the end, I just set it up and inside would be my t-shirts and buttons and magnets and stickers and CDs and had my koozies and like a business cards. And like, and even like the back would fold down and have posters there. And that everything was contained in that case. And it made it like, and it's nice to have a little bit of presentation. Like, that's the thing. That's smart. Well, yeah, because most comics are like, it's, you're, we're in the entertainment business. So when somebody sees this thing and it lights up, people are like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, that's cool. And then they see something and they buy it. But usually we have like a cardboard box that we're fishing <laughs> Hanes t shirts out of, uh, and it takes us forever. This was the other big bit of advice that I gave that like the Google Docs was the biggest one. The next one, roll up your t shirts and put a rubber band around them that signifies the size. So red means large, yellow means medium. And then that way, because at the end, when you're looking for sizes, people will just like leave because it takes you so long. First stop, I, I learned that in, in Phoenix. People were like around me trying to buy shirts and they were, I, I was like, I don't know where, I couldn't find it. Roll it up. Here you go. 20 bucks. Thanks so much. Like it makes it so much easier. Yeah. 
And it's I like mean, the, I would have never thought of that. It's the smallest thing. But like, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. Like, that's how, that's what I do. Like, I look at things and I'm like, how can we make this simpler? And so I, I'm always that guy who has like little fucking tips. Like, <laughs> I got a party, you know? I'm like, you know what you should do with your kale? Like, and I have like... <laughs> And people either love it or they hate it. But I love like I love that kind of stuff. Like I subscribe to like Better Homes and Gardens. Like that's I enjoy this like little tips and like to get through life. That's my whole are thing. You, are you that way when you write too? You must be like kind of I don't want to say technician, but like you know like it's got to be in this and maybe um, I can do this. I'm like it's weird. Like I like to I I do I write all my bits out. I don't do like I I like I'm a, a guy I like cataloging things I like archiving things so if I have a bit I always write it out save it to my computer because I know I'm gonna forget it and if yeah. I want to tell it in three years I look at it and I need to have it written out so I remember it so I am very like specific and kind of like a technician but then when I go on stage I kind of like throwing a lot of that out the window I just like having a map of something just so That's that good. I can go away from it and but I like having a map in case I want to come back. If that makes sense. Yeah, I know. You know, I'm too loosey goosey, and sometimes, sometimes it works in my favor, well, and sometimes I'm, I suffer. Well, I'm an editor, you know, like so I always edit video for a living, and part of that is just like, it, it that teaches you to be an extremely detailed person because you know you're doing every little cut, making sure that's perfect and that it all flows. So, in a way, I'm I'm naturally a very detailed oriented person, which I it helps me, but it also. Sometimes I wish I was a little bit more like loosey goosey. That's that's what's the nice thing about being on tour. It's like you're filling forty five minutes to an hour. Man, there's points where you just like and you get sick and tired of telling the same old jokes. It's oh. nice just to like hop off board and be like the final month is when I really started to fuck around on stage. And that's where I feel like I really grew as a comedian. I was gonna I got, ask. like so much more com- I feel so much more confident and so much stronger and so much I'm I'm way more willing to just live in a moment that's not funny that's a little bit awkward or uncomfortable because I know that like I'm going to find something and it's going to make it worth it. And I used to be so afraid to live in those moments, you know, when you're trying to work on something new and it's, it's not quite yeah. hitting. And now I'm so much more comfortable and just kind of, because I know it's going to be okay. Like I know I'm a, I'm good at what I do and there's stuff and coming up in five minutes that they're going to love. <laughs> so I'm, I can spend this minute or two figuring out this new idea and like, which is, I'm, I'm, it's, it, I can live with that, and I know, and I don't let that define me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't let one bad moment define how I feel about myself yeah. anymore. Well, because it's like when you have a seven-minute set, which is the kind. Oh, it's like, God, like yeah. you feel kind of rushed, and it's like when I started going out and doing like you do, you feel like, oh fuck, like it's way better, and you can have these more relaxed not so funny moments and it's like it changes your perspective too because you watch comics who do an hour and you realize that the ones that you really enjoy are ones who have some kind of like a perspective that you can identify with like that's the guy he looks at things this way or that's the girl like they have a a larger theme and that's the one where it resonates it's almost like not one man showy but it has the same like this is what they think about this you mm-hmm. know they have something that ties it all together at least that's the comedy that i really enjoy so in a way it changes my perspective when you put all your stuff one after another and you start doing it and you realize like yeah it's all funny but it uh, does there's nothing really that ties it necessarily all together and so that was really helpful in kind of like opening my perspective and viewing like creativity like not just just saying something funny but saying something funny for an hour that kind of you know all ties together and it's kind of like this little package 
Are you planning on another one anytime soon? I have one. I have one idea that I'm kind of stoked about. Uh, I just mentioned it to my girlfriend, and she was not stoked about it as much. But <laughs> uh, I wanted to do a three month tour, but only three cities. I want to do like Denver, Austin, and New Orleans. And then I was thinking of like going with no material in each city. And then for a month, like Airbnb it. And my only goal would be to come up with 15 new minutes. That's it. In each city. In each city. And then at the end of it, come back to LA, record a CD, brand new 45 minutes, and then just release that. I think that's great. Is so it- I got. I haven't done my own CD. The CD I sold was actually the Holy Fuck CD that I was on. Mm-hmm. So which Dave Ross, he like will give you like CDs when you go out on the road, just as like a thank you for being on the CD. That and it was it was awesome because it was like pure profit. Um, but I want to. Rec- I actually have to release my own CD first, you know, of, of like you know my garbage, and then I was thinking of doing the follow up CD, do that like experiment style. That is really a cool idea because it's like, and then I, I mean, I wanted to go to the three cities I enjoyed the most, which I love Denver, I love New Orleans, and I really enjoyed Austin, and I think it'd be cool. They both have awesome comedy scenes. I know I could get up a ton there to do a bunch of work, and then just treat it like I'm here for four weeks. The only thing I'm doing is stand up, like write every day, all day work on bits like what can we do when we take auditions and those lunch meetings that we go on that aren't productive but make us feel productive and just focus on one thing like how much work can we get done isn't it amazing how many things exist in this city that you're like hey uh, things are happening and then it's like six oh, months yeah, later you're goes, like what the, the fuck what happened, the fuck happened? I, I just I thought there was like <laughs> I, you wanted pitches I, I, I sent you pitches there's been a number of times where we're like well this is it this is things are finally no no no, no I, I've reached that point now where like people tell me thing and they try and get me excited I'm like yeah that sounds if that happens that would be awesome it is, like it just it you learn not to get excited about things which is such a weird like I guess you learn to be a little bit cynical but only because I've gotten burned so many times on stuff that like, dude, it, it's going to happen. <laughs> I was on like a show that people were like, it's going to go. And they were like, yeah, they were lying to us. It didn't go. And you're like, it was like a show for a big network. And you're like, oh, I thought that was going to be the thing to crack it open. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, I've had so many people like, I've come with me with like research. Like, all right, we did this. And I think we can. Do, and like, oh, that looks impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this guy must. And then it's like. Th- then the next phone call, somebody's like, no, no, that well, would never sell. That's what I liked was like the whole DIY indie thing was for me like uh, I just was sick and tired of like I didn't book many clubs. I booked one club only in the, I, I, li- I really like doing clubs. But I, I just, do too. And then I was thinking this morning, I'm like, does that mean I'm a bad comedian? Because you always, you know how everyone's always like, yeah. he's a club comic. But I'm like, I always have a no, great time. I, I think I think, the, to me, the best comedians are the guys who can do both worlds, the indie rooms and the clubs. And if you can't do both, then I don't think you're a strong comic. Like, I think you need to be able to adapt. I mean, if you want to be known, to me, the definition of a strong comic is somebody who can perform in any environment and do their job, you know, who can adapt to wherever they need to be. I think, to me, that's like the people who are at the top of their game. They're like a Swiss Army knife. And so I just didn't do many clubs, not because I didn't want to, but because I'm not in with a lot of clubs and there's so many more hoops to jump through and with indie shows they're so easy to book and I just I don't know with this one I I think with the next tour I do I'd want to do more clubs but with this one it was nice just to like not have to ask for permission from anybody like I just was like fuck it I'm just gonna do this it's gonna be fun and even if it even if the car broke down or I lost money I was like I'm still like it's still gonna make me a better comedian and at the end of the day, like, I broke even. The car didn't break down once. Or the squeaky fan belt once that took 10 minutes to fix for free. Other than that, it was perfect. And, like, it was nice just to do something 
it was nice to do something that I said I was going to do and not talk about it to actually <laughs> fucking do it. That's the thing that felt good. And it, it definitely made me a stronger comic. So that's the other thing. That's good. All right. Plus well, all that road pussy, bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Yeah. That's why we do this. Yeah. Go get you. Where can people find the uh, the blog that you wrote about this? The oh, DUI, DIY I just posted blog? it today. It's on um, heyronblog.com. But if you go to my website, heyron.com, that has links to like my Instagram. That's your landing and, page. Yeah, that, that's the old land, Babcock landing page. And is this book thing going to be, can they buy the, the yeah, book? Yeah, I, I, I just made a photo book. I got to update the website. It's beautiful, by it's, the way. Yeah, it's cool. Chat books. It's actually, I mean, I'm not making any money on it. It's $15, which pretty much covers the cost of printing and shipping. But if they, people just send uh, me 15 bucks and their shipping address, I send them the book. Heyron at Mac.com is my PayPal ID. You could Venmo me. Ch- shoot me a message. I'll send you my Addy for the check. You know, you could even send cash. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, I just did it because people were like, I would buy a book of this. So I was like, all right. So I uh, I made a little book of it. I thought, it, I think actually print-wise, it turned out pretty all right. No, it looks great. That's beautiful. You should sell one of your wedding. <laughs> just pictures of you and Kelly passed out in your bed. Yeah, the staff would come in and take photos <laughs> every night. Thank you, Ron Babcock. Dude, thank you for having me. You're great. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. As I said, use the Amazon link, donate money, go to my website, themattdwyer.com, follow all things Matt Dwyer. I love you. Thank you very much. Bye. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.